Friday, February the 18th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, false flag warning in Ukraine and American stocks slide. First, the world in brief. Western leaders warned that Russia may be planning a quote, false flag event to create a pretext to invade Russia. Boris Johnson, Britain's Prime Minister, cited the shelling in the Donbass region on Thursday as an example. Joe Biden, America's president, said he expects an invasion in the quote, next several days. Russian officials continued to maintain that no invasion was planned, but also threatened vague, quote, military technical measures if America does not agree to its security demands. Wall Street shuddered at the prospect of war in Ukraine, with the big indices all plunging on Thursday. The Dow Jones Industrial Average shed 1.8% in its worst session of 2022. The S&P 500 fell by 2.1% and the Nasdaq Composite by 2.9%. Set-offs this year have wiped over $3 trillion from the total stock market value of firms listed in America. A judge in New York ruled that Donald Trump and his two eldest children must comply with subpoenas issued by New York's Attorney General as part of her investigation into alleged fraud at their family business. They must sit for a deposition within 21 days. America's former president denies wrongdoing and has tried, unsuccessfully, to quash the inquiry, arguing that it is politically motivated. Police in Ottawa detained two leaders of the truck convoy that has blockaded the Canadian capital's downtown areas for nearly three weeks. Protesters are angry about COVID restrictions and vaccine mandates. This week, Justin Trudeau, Canada's Prime Minister, invoked a 34-year-old emergency law for the first time in order to crack down on the demonstrations. South Korea eased its COVID curfew despite its daily case count hitting a new record of 100,000 on Friday. Japan, meanwhile, revealed plans to reopen its borders to vaccinated visitors. No such prospect in Hong Kong, which despite a rampant wave of Omicron, is clinging to its quote, zero Covid ambitions. It will repurpose 20,000 hotel rooms as quarantine space. The US Trade Representative's office added Alibaba and Tencent to its, quote, notorious markets list of firms suspected of being involved with significant levels of counterfeiting and piracy. Both of the Chinese online shopping behemoths said they were working to address America's concerns. Inclusion on the list carries no formal penalty. Tesla, an electric car maker, accused the Securities and Exchange Commission, the main regulator of America's stock markets, of, quote, unrelenting harassment of Elon Musk, its chief executive. In 2018, the SEC sued Mr. Musk for a misleading tweet about taking Tesla public. Since then, Tesla asserted, the SEC has launched several investigations, mostly motivated by Mr. Musk's outspoken criticism of the government. And fact of the day, 1,000. Roughly the number of roadkill salvage permits Montana's Fish and Wildlife Commission issues each year. 
And now here's today's agenda. Hard times at EDF. Once, Electricité de France was a source of national pride. But the outlook for France's state-controlled quasi-monopolistic electricity provider, which reports financial results for 2021 on Friday, is bleak. This month, EDF, which serves 88% of French homes, made cuts to its projections for nuclear output, helping to drive up European prices for gas, electricity and carbon. Production could fall this year to levels not seen for 32 years, according to EDF, partly owing to outages at 44 reactors for maintenance and inspection. The shock of the announcement was hardly cushioned by President Emmanuel Macron's revelation of a plan to build at least six colossal nuclear reactors at existing sites starting in 2028. Energy prices are already under upward pressure because Russia is curtailing its supply of natural gas to Western Europe as a bargaining chip in the Ukraine crisis. And because of the outages, France had at times to import expensive electricity, which in turn reduced supply for Germany and other countries that rely on EDF's nuclear energy. A notable absence at the Munich Security Conference Rarely has the Munich Security Conference, an annual diplomatic gabfest, taken place amid such threats to European security. COVID-19 means that this year's event, which runs from Friday to Sunday, will be much smaller than the usual teeming affair. But the Russian troops massing on Ukraine's borders and worrying signs of shelling in the country's contested east will concentrate minds. Over 30 heads of state, among them Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, and 100 government ministers plan to attend. Kamala Harris, America's vice president, will lead a high-powered delegation. A notable absentee will be the country on everyone's mind. For the first time in two decades, there will be no Russian delegation. Sergei Lavrov, the combative foreign minister, usually shows up. In 2007, an aggressive speech by Vladimir Putin at the conference signalled Russia's turn from the West. This year, much of the conversation will be about Russia, but not with it. The debate over trans athletes. College sports is popular in America, but this year's Women's Ivy League Swimming and Diving Championships, which began on Wednesday, are attracting more attention than usual, thanks to the presence of Leah Thomas of the University of Pennsylvania. She is a transgender woman, meaning she was born male but identifies and competes as a woman. Despite reportedly taking hormone-blocking drugs and estrogen for two and a half years, she seems to have an advantage in the pool. The question of whether to allow trans women to compete in women's sport is divisive. The International Olympic Committee, whose lead many sports follow, recently announced a further loosening of restrictions for trans women in women's sport. British sporting bodies, by contrast, said in September that it was impossible to allow trans women to compete fairly with natal women. World rugby has barred them from the international women's game, though many national unions have not followed suit. Whatever happens in the pool, this argument will not go away. 
Vaccines in Shipping Containers BioNTech, which co-developed a revolutionary mRNA COVID-19 vaccine in partnership with Pfizer, hopes to revolutionise another area of pharmaceuticals, vaccine manufacturing. It is developing vaccine factories to sit inside a series of standard metal shipping containers, which it plans to send to parts of the world that lack their own vaccine manufacturing capabilities, notably Africa. By standardising the factories, BioNTech hopes to create a reliable, repeatable way to meet pharmaceutical manufacturing standards. Transferring a very complicated recipe for vaccines from one facility to another is normally time-consuming and difficult. BioNTech hopes that with the containers, the process can be transferred from traditional factories just once and then rapidly cloned around the world. Each facility, BioNTech says, will be able to produce up to 60 million doses of COVID vaccines and other vaccines each year and will cost, quote, significantly less than conventional factories. If so, this could be the future of drug making. Democracy dashed in Zimbabwe In 2017, the ousting of Robert Mugabe, Zimbabwe's dictator, in a military coup, prompted hopes of change in the country's corrupt, violent politics. Nelson Chimiza, the charismatic opposition leader, came to symbolise the popular demand for free and fair elections. The following year, he ran against and lost to the incumbent president, Emerson Manangagwa, in an election marred by the customary intimidation and vote-rigging. Camilla Nielsen's film, President, is an intimate portrait of a hopeful moment in Zimbabwe's past and how it was crushed. The fervour around the elections is palpable, as is the violence that follows them. In a pivotal courthouse scene, the camera pans from the opposition's legal documents showing the elections were fraudulent to the police stockpiling batons. President won a Sundance Special Jury Award for Verite filmmaking. The documentary raises a hand to those who, like Mr Chimiza, have the courage to fight for democracy. Daily Quiz The quiz is back. Our baristas will serve you a new question each day. On Friday, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm GMT today to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Friday. Which political organisation was formed by Bobby Seale and Huey Newton in 1966? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Ernst Junger. Health can be good. The disease can sometimes be even better. Illnesses are questions. They are also tasks, even honours. It all depends on how one notes them. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app. 
or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download the Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 